Hi everyone, welcome to Taz Talk, the show where we talk about the Adventure Zone podcast. Um, Today we're talking about episode 11 of the Amnesty Arc, which is the conclusion of the... um, Sorry, I guess I should say the 11 of the Amnesty campaign, and this was the conclusion of the Water Monster Arc. The Water Monster has a name now, Rach. Aqualung? Aqualung. (laughs) I'm so, so it does. So it does. <laughs> the Aqualung arc. In my head, I've been calling him Waterboy or Tentacruel because he's got like, little <laughs> tentacles sometimes. So, Tentacruel. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, that's interesting. So Griffin has stated in the past that he doesn't plan for Amnesty to be as long as Balance. Mm-hmm. And Balance had like very clearly demarcated arcs, mm-hmm. which had everyone had a name. And so you would see that this is, oh, this is the third episode of Petals to the Metal. Now, in Amnesty, there aren't names for each of these arcs, which I guess on my end, it makes it kind of confusing to refer to what segment of the story we're in. Um, But also, I wonder if that's because it's supposed to be shorter? Mm. You know, that's interesting you mentioned that. I kind of think maybe they just haven't really hit what their, you know, long-form... long-form naming conventions are going to be. Um, maybe that's true. Or, or, But, you know, maybe they, they, they're doing that on purpose because the arcs are shorter. But if anything, if you're going to have shorter arcs more often, shouldn't you be naming them so people can talk about them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for this, I do feel like, to me, having a name for each arc within this campaign makes a lot of sense just based on the monster of the week format yeah. because it's supposed like basically this was the episode about the water monster yeah oh yeah so, yeah yeah like if this was yeah if this was like a tv show yeah i mean i think that's how we would talk about it and i guess that's what we've been calling it we've been calling it the water monster arc like how yeah. the first one was the oil monster arc the yeah the bear monster i don't know yeah well, i mean that was kind of like the pilot anyway yeah that's true the the first one i've been calling it rodoban because it's based on the monster from monster hunter so i mean i know what it's called but in in conventional you know language i, I don't know but do you know for a fact from griffin's mouth that it's based on that monster hunter monster or is I'm that like, just your guess i'm like 99.9% sure i feel like i heard it <laughs> on I feel like I either saw it on Twitter or I heard it on something that confirmed my suspicions. I don't I don't know. I listen to a lot of Griffin. <laughs> okay, I believe you then. Thank you. Um, okay, so in this episode we got some good Minerva cameos, which I was pleased about. We got we got um, a we got a couple of beacon quips. You wanna just dive right in? We got in? some good yeah, I mean, let's, I guess, well, the first thing I want to talk about is that it seems like Aubrey is less of a fire starter and more the Avatar. Yeah. Uh, it seems like she has control over the elements at large, which is yeah. interesting. And um, I think at first, when she was trying to use a different power, like, she had been so, like, her introduction was so fire-themed that mm-hmm. at first I was kind of resistant to, like, isn't fire her thing? Like, I feel like at first they'd... They, she was just, like, suddenly trying to use another power, and I'm like, I don't understand where this is coming from. But now it kind of feels more natural, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I think so because... So it's cool. <laughs> we, were, we were introduced to her as Lady Flame, and I think, yeah. you know, 
herself like she kind of has picked for herself like i like fire so everything i'm mm-hmm. gonna like all of the fan art usually features obviously her name is lady flame like yeah it usually features some kind of fire sort of thing yeah um and you know even even as a spellcaster it, it could also be that she's more inclined to fire fire might come easier to her fire might be enhanced for her because of her her necklace uh, which uh-huh. you know, I thought I thought that section was really sweet. Um, oh yeah. yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, do you want to talk about that now? Yes. Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> um, so I, I really liked Aubrey's section. Um, but it also like it it hit a chord for me. Um, Griffin, you know, we all know Griffin. He has a pretty good way of narrating and and storytelling and, um. I just something about Aubrey's like her situation, how she grew up comfortable and she wants to go, you know, live her own life. But her parents, I, I like when when Griffin said uh, um, the line as Aubrey's dad of like we we made sure that you could grow up with all the things that we didn't grow up with. Like we we tried to yeah. give you like such a good head start, and you want to become a magician. Like it uh-huh. had it had such a potential to be so negative and like so bad yeah um but i I, and i I got like really scared because that that is a topic (laughs) that's like very near and dear to my heart and i was getting kind of uncomfortable because i was like oh god i know where this is going oh no yeah like to hear that aubrey came from like a pretty a pretty you know put together kind of standing and that her parents pinned all of their hopes especially because they had trouble apparently conceiving her that they pinned Uh all of their hopes on her and you know for her to maybe make something more of herself but you know that conversation oh man it hurt it hurt real bad oh chelsea (laughs) well no but i i'm glad that you know griffin turned it around um Mm -hmm. and even like the dad's reaction it it was touching on negative but it, it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been and it could like that it couldn't it wasn't as bad as i've seen it be in like real life um, mm-hmm. and the mom was so like Griffin in his maternal voice, like <laughs> immediately calms me down. So it was okay. But I just thought that that was really evocative, uh, storytelling. And I think that like a lot of listeners can kind of feel something, um, they, they can, that's going to resonate them with, with them at least a little bit of like growing up with uh these guardians and not wanting to disappoint them but also wanting to go do your own thing mm-hmm. that's nice yeah but i think it was it's pretty neat like that's not something that we've seen in fiction from griffin before um mm-hmm. like a really like really played out kind of parental relationships with their kids more be, like beyond merle and um his kids and everything so yeah know, I think also there like Merle and his kids was the only parent child relationship mm-hmm. that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Well, except for maybe like Maureen and Lucas. Um, which man, that yeah. like their scenes together at the end of Crystal Kingdom yeah. definitely made me feel sad. Yeah. Um but that I think like 
there isn't really a whole lot of opportunity for this kind of relationship to be explored in the balance arc, I think. I mean, except for, obviously, for Merle and his kids. But, you know, that was one kind of par- yeah. parental conflict, and this is another one. Yeah, and, and that one was very much set in, like, a fantasy kind of frame. This one is, is a lot more grounded, which is what Griffin, you know, that's what he's, he's going for with these characters, is he wants them grounded in truth. So I think... I would... Or, go ahead. I would disagree. I well, I was just I would disagree with that actually because I think even though balance took place in obviously a much more fantastic setting, I think like Merle's problem with his kids like gets divorced, falls out of touch with his kids, wants to reconnect with him but doesn't know how. One of his kids is like his adopted daughter. I felt that all of that stuff was like very grounded in reality. That's true. Yeah, that's true. With, with their relationship, but I, I think I mean like just their their setting and and how. Uh, it's more like, you know, in modern instead of in Faerun. Do you think having the the fantasy setting made it more difficult for you to, like, connect emotionally to that uh, plot point? Maybe. Whereas in this case, because the setting is more realistic, it makes the conflict seem more realistic? Mm, I guess maybe, but also because, like, I, I myself, my, my parents are still together, you know? Like, I, yeah. that, that doesn't resonate quite as much with me although I know it resonates with a lot of other people but Mm -hmm. Aubrey's thing in particular super resonated with me which I think that's why maybe it feels realer okay I gotcha yeah yeah I never really thought about like neither of these parent-child relationships are particularly like touching a nerve with me Mm -hmm. but I I do think about like I just thought it was so sweet the way Merle is with Mavis even though they're not related by blood and I bet that meant a lot to people to listeners who had adoptive parents yeah I just think that was so sweet I really liked their relationship a lot yeah that being said I'm I'm glad that you know this is this is a doofy podcast that the brothers started (laughs) just because um but they they have this platform and they have this um opportunity to touch on a lot of different things that can mean a lot to a lot of different people so yeah you know it's really neat yeah I mean like for me I think the relationship that really resonated with me in the balance arc is like taco and loops relationship because I get along really well with my brother and I love him very much and it's just like really nice to see the sibling relationship getting a spotlight in a work of fiction where yeah. you know like so often like the like I feel like romantic relationships get so much more emphasis but there's just like a whole lot of love between Taco and Loop and it was really special and like explored well and thought out well and I feel like that's like the McElroy's mm-hmm. relationship with each other coming through into that relationship. And I just thought it was really sweet and I really appreciated it. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of like family feelings. No, that's good. Like warm ones, like fuzzy warm ones. Yeah. So. Um, Woo, we got deep, Chels. Oh, we did get deep. Right off the bat. Well, that, that was on my, <laughs> on my notes. That was um, the longest like kind of paragraph I had. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you write? Do, what do your notes look like? Are your notes like word for word what you want would want to say out loud, uh, or is it more like like dash like quick notes to remind you? They're bullet points, um, but sometimes like it, it's uh, more just to jog my memory. And most yeah. of the things that come out of my mouth, I'm just like 
off the dome. I don't, <laughs> I'm not good at reading things and then using them in conversation. Um, but uh-huh. I am good at just like reading a thing and remembering, oh, I want to talk about that. And then just kind of going off from there. So that's why I pause sometimes <laughs> is because uh-huh. I don't know what the next word was supposed to be, but now I have to come up with one. Uh-huh. So Yeah, I think that's usually why people pause in conversations, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other, okay, we're, we're going on a tangent here. Sure. Um, uh, do you want to talk about Ned or Duck? I want to talk about Pigeon. Ooh, okay. I'm just kind of going in order in my notes. And, sure. um, friggin' Pigeon. So I have, actually, maybe we could talk about this at the end. Because I have, okay. it relates to the end of the episode, too. So so yeah. let's actually hold off on that. Sure. Um, I guess let's talk about Duck going um, in order. Um, so he has a little sister, which is very cute. Um, yeah. I thought Justin that was really... Du- yeah. I thought that was Go a super ahead. like that was a that was really sweet like the way he talked with Jane, um, uh huh. Like when whenever Justin is in his duck voice, I I get this very clear mental image of just like the kind of kids. The duck voice was so cute. The, the baby duck year voice. Old one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I get like this very like this mental image of all these dudes I knew in high school that were just kind of. Like, they're going for burnout. They've said that they're going for burnout, and that's kind of the kind of yeah. image that I have in my mind. So to yeah. to see, like, um, dudes, like, for, for lack of better language, I guess I can call them, like, oafs. They're just kind of, like, oafish. Um, and, but also just them being really uh, tender and, and careful, like, with something precious to them like a sibling i think that's like uh-huh. really that is so cute <laughs> that's really nice <laughs> yeah i know i know what you mean yeah i am um, this from the little scissor thing is like sometimes you get evidence that they about things that they definitely did not plan ahead of time like Ooh. i feel what's weird about the amnesty is that it has more polish i think than balance did um things move more quickly they flow Mm. more smoothly Mm -hmm. and i don't know how much they cut out yeah yeah like i kind of think that maybe they cut out a lot of like just kind of like bantering or something i don't know maybe not like fun banter that they would want to leave in but like trying to figure stuff out on the fly you know yeah and i i sometimes wonder like i never i never thought that they plan stuff out or discuss stuff ahead of time when I was listening to Balance. But for Amnesty, sometimes I catch myself wondering, like, did they already set this up? Because this is kind of, like, a big thing to, like, spring upon us all of a sudden. But then, Dude, like... right? Yeah. Like, for... Yeah. Basically, for all of the backstory, I was like, uh-huh, how did yeah. they... But how did they know, like, how I much... think they just... I think they just rolled with it. I think, I think so. think, like, the kind of either implicit or explicit agreement between them at this point is... Griffin is going to introduce things, and like, you just take that because yeah. Griffin's a storyteller. You're so gonna, like, you're gonna, you know. you're gonna yes and, and it's gonna be great. Yes, exactly, exactly. Although, like, that happens, that goes in both directions because, like, Justin says, "Oh, what about my little sister?" And then, like, you can hear Griffin going, <laughs> "Like, uh huh," and he has to, like, on the fly make up. Like, I can hear in his voice that he was making up her room is across the hall. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. like, it was clear, like, Griffin hadn't thought about that. Uh, Justin is making this up right now, and Griffin is yes-anding about it. So, you know, yeah. like, it works out. And it's really interesting to hear that kind of thing happen. You, you know, you know. now that you mentioned that, um, I think it was really... And I don't know, I assume that it was kind of planned like this, but all of their stories are kind of, um, like, 
they they play up to the actual person's kind of I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it, but like um Ned Ned's whole shtick about his character is that he's like a con man. He he's trying to beguile yeah. most people. So like his his role play was entirely about his first interaction tricking, you know, a a pretty prominent character. And now yep. um Duck's whole deal is that he's he's a hero, that he's not trying to be a hero, but he keeps being put in these heroic situations. So mm-hmm. And I mean that it seems kind of like well duh of course it's about them that's what they're about it's a backstory kind of a thing but I just um I appreciated it it fit really well it, it did yeah. fit really I mean, well the reason you appreciate it's like the 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 kind of ten not tension I'm gonna say tension because I can't think of the right word but the tension yeah. in your brain Chelsea between thinking oh duh and oh but it fits really well is because in a normal piece of fiction it would be you would be having the oh duh reaction because like regular fiction is like planned out but since yes. this is improv when this is the same thing that happens in D&D like sometimes like actual when you're like you or I are actually sitting there playing like I've definitely had moments in my campaign at work where like some role play plot event plays out and we're yeah. sitting there going like I can't believe we didn't plan that because yeah. it just like worked out really well yeah and so whenever that thing happens in this kind of improv storytelling, that's why you're getting that, like, wow, that really worked reaction. Because it's hard to make it work like that. Much yeah. harder than writing a normal story. Hmm. I think, you, yeah, you, you, summer, you summed that up pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but, you know, you're right. Like, because it's so polished... I, I have trouble differentiating. Like, there are some nuances where there are pauses, and they're like, huh, oh. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, I completely agree. Um, but, because like, I, I can't tell if it's just that Griffin has gotten so much better at editing or that the boys uh-huh. are just more focused on on recording the podcast. Um, yeah. The banter level isn't quite the same but it's still very entertaining and there is still banter like especially in the beginning parts definitely yeah yeah. um i think also what helps is that the boys they have so much freedom in how to tell their story that a lot of the energy that might have been pent up by having to do like specific moves or specific um like spells or something like they're using all of that creative energy to like tell Griffin what they want to do. Like they they're not bound yeah. to anything in particular, other than yep. well, does that mean that you're kicking ass, or does that mean that you're like what is? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I think um, I think what I like, no matter how good Griffin gets at editing and like delivering narration and how fast like the boys get at reacting to things or how like focused they are what I really hope that they don't lose is the human element of this show because and by the human element I mean like them like talking about dumb shit and Griffin like trying to get their attention and like them doing stuff that totally throws Griffin off and he's just kind of like <laughs> uh give me a second like yeah or yeah. Um, Griffin, like, pausing and, like, stumbling over stuff while he's trying to, like, describe a room or, like, I don't know. All of that stuff that was clumsier in the balance arc was part of the entertainment value of that arc. Like, the the human element to them. The sense that, like, these guys are sitting around a table digitally making this up as they go. Yeah. And I think I I think I worry that there's sort of a tipping point between 
if you, because we're talking about how like so much of this stuff is impressive because we know that it's improv, but if you mask the improv parts of it and the clumsy parts of it too much, then are we going to reach a point where we're judging the adventure zone by regular fiction standards? And it's not that I don't think that like balance was a really, really good story in and of itself, but I just, I don't know. I don't want them to lose the, the the actual play feeling yeah no I get you I get you the the podcast yeah you wanna you wanna keep um them and and what they're doing in the frame of this is all improv like this is all mm-hmm. like on the fly they're sitting around a table like that's what they're it's actual play um, yeah instead of like this is a scripted kind of podcast yeah like, this yeah, is a, this yeah. is a play that you listen to on the radio yeah and I know that they're not scripting it's not scripted but i don't want it to feel scripted because so much of the things that i like about the adventure zone like i love the story and i love the characters but a bunch of things that i also like about it have to do are like within that context of this is an actual play broadcast with improv storytelling yeah and like i like those elements of it and i hope that they don't Lose them? I don't know. I didn't I expect think... to, like, suddenly be voicing this complaint. <laughs> well, it kind of just, so like, spilled out of me. I, I have an idea of maybe why it feels different now. Um, it could have been because with with the balance arc, when these kind of situations would happen, they would be surprising because they would involve, like, using spells or moves in such a way that they weren't maybe, like intentionally like originally intended but it's how the boys yeah. were going to be creative yep. in this space so i think maybe that's why it felt like more like oh my god or more surprising because like like what is it fan like any time like when griffin would mention you know like those kind of oh my god moments they they weren't us following the rules like it was the boys being just super creative so now uh-huh. yeah in contrast um amnesty is there, there aren't any any rules really. The boys have complete freedom over what they want to do. Um, yeah. So yes. those kind of moments, maybe they don't like. It's it's partly what they're doing is not familiar to you. They aren't using known spells or like spells mm-hmm. in context, to, uh, like turned around. They're just using. This is all straight up McElroy creativeness. Um, yeah, like they can't break the rules because the rules are so open ended yeah, anyway. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to think so, this through. Yeah, I don't know that yeah, we're going to get our, like, oh my God, wow, sort of uh-huh. that level. I don't know if I'm going to get that Geral kind of feeling. <laughs> um, but I will say that, like, the, you know, you know the phrase, um, when the tide rises, all ships, you know, it benefits all ships kind of thing? Is that like an economics thing? Maybe, but I, I I see it. I see it. I think it might be shit. I I picked it up from I picked it up from Jessica Negri, who was like defending um, cosplayers that like like did boudoir and cosplayers that did armor and cosplayers like being more mainstream in mm-hmm. saying that you know um, people talking positively and um, knowing what cosplay is and, and having a positive appreciation for cosplay, it benefits all of us. It doesn't just benefit some of us. It benefits all of us because then people yeah. think we're all good. And that's kind of the phrase that came to mind is, um, for, for this kind of situation in that like this, this style of, of the McElroy's 
doing things, <laughs> um, it, it benefits all of us because it benefits them because they're getting better at like narration and, and recording and more polished and things. And overall, like I might not be getting my, oh my God, wow, spikes of mm-hmm. excitement, but I am overall getting like, I can tell that the quality is a lot more mature, you know? Yeah, it definitely feels like, um, it might be like trying to compare apples and oranges. Like, it's not that I'm not enjoying Amnesty, yeah. I am, yeah. but I I think maybe it's just like, it's just different than Balance because of the, so many reasons. How yeah. elapsed time, the boys are improving, the boys have different ideas, they're starting at a different place, like, things are just different, so this might just be a different beast, and like, the, the good and bad things about it have like, shifted, you yeah. know? Well, you know, but Rachel, that's why we uh, started this podcast. Hell yeah! <laughs> so that we could we could put a voice to. I, I'm sure we're not the only people that came into Adventure Zone um, with balance and like knowing balance and knowing those characters and and connecting to those characters. And so trying to find our way to connect to these characters and what's going on here is it's going to be a little bit different. Um, yeah. But you know, I have you and you have me. And Hell yeah, I love you, Chelsea. I love you. And you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Chelsea, um, oh, it's like, I know I know nothing about cosplay community politics <laughs> or conflict, and it's just, like, so fascinating to hear you talk about it. Because it's just, like, it's so... I know it's, like, a really big thing in your life, but to me it's still, like, really kind of niche and foreign. Oh, yeah. And so, like, hear, hearing you talk about it is super, super interesting. <laughs> Anytime I can uh, bring it up into... Um, Taz talk. I, I take that opportunity with zeal. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh, another thing. I I hate that we're like. I don't. I hope we're not like beating a dead horse here. But um, I just like again still on the topic of like the differences between amnesty and balance. Is that one thing that I think is interesting? Is that the mechanics of monster of the week i feel like are meant to feel understated where mm. and i think we've talked about this before but like, I, I don't it's think you've like, ever said I keep, it quite like that but that okay, definitely hits yeah. it on the nose yeah i keep getting reminded of it like the more we see monster of the week being played but like in D, the mechanics are the that focus is the game a lot more yeah, yeah. and like you a lot of people play it and they put, if you really put emphasis on the role play, you can like really change it. You can like fudge the rules. You can twist the rules into ways that they weren't meant to be used. But it's also like totally valid and fun to just play a really simple campaign where it's just like hack and slash. You go in here, you do some combat and like really leaning into the rule structure. Yeah. Um, kind of like in a basic way and I think monster of the week it's not that they aren't using the rules it's that or like it's not that they're like how do I say this it's not that they're not taking advantage of the rules like you know like kind of are well why didn't Griffin make them roll during that part or like yeah like kind of realizing that the the actions that they can take are extremely open-ended yeah. That's the way Monster of the Week is designed. It's designed so that storytelling is really at the forefront and and the rules take a back seat. They're meant to be a little bit not behind the scenes, but I think they're meant to be understated compared yeah. to a game like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Well, which, that, I don't know. Why... I don't I yeah. Yeah, but Sorry. that's exactly what the boys are going for is they wanted something that would let them be more creative and be more like Something that would let them, you know, ha- have a fun narrative and-, and be able to tell a story and not have to be restricted to, um, 
the that's true the details of of D and D. You know, I think it, yeah. it started as Griffin wanting to play D and D with his family for for fun yeah. for kicks. Yeah. But I think it's become so much bigger than that. The yeah. the, the focus for them isn't that they want to play D and D and be the face of D and D. The the focus is they want to tell a story and and they want to. Yeah do it in a way that everyone is involved and i think monster of the week it really it really does it does the most like it's it's such a fun thing for to listen to and to know that these are the funny boys and their dad and they're building this Uh like really like structured kind of story and they're making it up as they go along and it's super neat like i I have a feeling oh go ahead yeah Oh no! I was gonna no, you say. Going. I was just gonna say, like, I have a feeling, like, the I'm the most popular question they're gonna get for um, their next the the adventure zone zone is like, how much uh-huh. of this is pre-planned? Because you're right, like, uh-huh. we can't tell anymore. <laughs> it's like a Turing test. Yeah. Of, is it improvised? Yep. And I can't tell. <laughs> so it's it's working. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear how they field that question. Um, I feel like I was going to say something, but I don't remember. So, let's move on. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't want to move on too far. I want to go back into the duck flashback um, where uh, Minerva appears for the first time and says that she makes reference to two planets linked by destiny, which I get, I mean, have to be Earth and Sylvain. So yeah. I just want to say, I I feel like I'm gathering up evidence for, like, the relationship between Earth and Sylvain, and it does seem to me like there are two planets in separate places in the galaxy or the universe, and they are connected by some kind of, like, Something. wormhole, just some kind of, like, <laughs> vague sci-fi way to, like, connect space into, like, like, uh outside of the three dimensions, just a way to connect two points. That's how they are linked. I guess linked by destiny. So I guess destiny is the uh, actual physical mechanism by which this is happening. uh, Since since we're talking about, um, oh my God, they're aliens. um, Uh I just want to point out, (laughs) (laughs) I just want to point out Aqualung, once once Aqualung was defeated, it turned into like a, 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 a creature that had two Dude, legs. Dude, I super want to talk about that. Okay, you want to talk about that real quick, or do you want to finish up your thought about Duck? No, let's talk about that. I'm super, <laughs> yeah, let's talk okay. about it. All right, all right, all right. So it has two legs, four arms, a domed head, and little eyes. So we have, yep. it finally reads Alien. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So, okay, here's, here's my theory about what that thing is. Yes. So basically... They defeat the abomination and they get like a little humanoid figure comes out of the defeated abomination and like gives Ned uh, a nod and then disintegrates. Yep. So here's my theory. I think I was right that they need to like help these abominations instead of just like they're evil monsters that need to be killed. I think okay. I'm gonna really just lay out my Do my you my guess I'm about this. I'm gonna lean back. I'm gonna bask yeah. in this. I think that when the Sylvans go feral, they turn into the abominations. Okay. And they are, I guess, probably they might not be savable. They might be dead, but they might need to be basically exercised mm-hmm. because they are their essence or whatever is trapped in this corrupted form. Mm-hmm. And then I think. 
when the boys defeat one of the abominations, they are essentially freeing the soul of the Sylvan that was trapped in this monster. Yes. That's my hot take on what happened. (laughs) It's also possible that, like, this is something you talked about before, but the way in kind of, like, like Lovecraftian um, games, or, like, the kind of lore, I forget, like, the kind of Cthulhu lore that you were talking about before where... Like, you open a gate, and somehow the act of opening the gate pulls some creature yeah. into your world. I mean, it's also possible that the the creature that came out, the, the, the figure that came out of the abomination isn't a Sylvan at all. Like, now that we have the whole universe open to us, it could be something from another planet entirely. Yeah. Well, okay, so I think they've mentioned that bomb bombs specifically come from Sylvain. Um, and I think the thing that means that they don't like just rampage on earth is that the gate from sylvain to earth only opens like in that direction for bomb bombs once a month for some reason because mm-hmm. um, i think the first scene that we have of amnesty is this gate is glowing and it's sparkling and like it seems like something's gonna happen which i assume was yeah. um the oil monster coming out and everything yeah um and you know it it you're right it it keeps coming up because we keep having evidence of oh my god it's that thing that we've been talking about so <laughs> it's okay that we keep talking about it because it's in no context um yeah but this, so yeah i'm super yeah go ahead it like the thing that i'm reminded of is that scene in spirited away spoilers um when san <laughs> when she like gets that big stink monster and then she like gives it a bath and then she, yeah. like, she, it tells her, hey, there's something, like, hurting me. And she goes and she pulls out, like, a bicycle as well as mm-hmm. all of this other trash because it was a river god. And mm-hmm. it was a polluted river god that needed, you know, to be, like, uh, cleansed and everything. That's what I yeah. immediately thought of. Even though it it's, in my head, it looks like a, like a little dawn, like a little uh, centaur. <laughs> yeah, because it has four arms and two legs, which is the backwards of a centaur. But <laughs> and I'm just thinking of like um, a minotaur with four arms. Anyway, oh boy. Um, anyway, I think that's a actually an enemy in the monster manual. Oh god. <laughs> but uh, so the thing, the thing that the monster came out as it, nothing that has been described on Sylvain looks anything remotely like that. So you're. I think I'm. I'm in favor of of that. I don't even know if it's Sylvain. Maybe it's just something else entirely. Because you're right. Yeah, the universe it could is, be something else. Yeah, the universe is open to us. It's aliens. Yeah, it's a big place. I I also want to talk about how Minerva said that she was one of the greatest warriors this universe has ever known. Yeah. So I'm just going to assume that Minerva and Beacon are from another planet, and that she is some kind of like fucking intergalactic warrior person. Yeah. And I love her a lot. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's, I'm really, I want to know how sci-fi this is going to go. I want to know, like, because you can definitely pull off referencing other planets and having people come from other planets without having a lot of, like, really sci-fi elements or even any kind of, like, space travel. Um, But they could, like, where's this going to go, Chelsea? I'm getting really curious. Well, we only get, like, these little glimpses of, of what it is. And, you know, that's on purpose. We're still on the 11th episode of however many episodes. Yeah. Um, but, like, this is this is what I craved. I want to know more. And that's... Uh-huh. I want to be... I want to want to know more, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I did also... I listened to the end of the first... Um, can we call them arcs? But it's the balance arc. 
are they, is it? I think, yeah, the terminology gets confusing. I talk about balance arc all the time, but I think really if individual, if episodes are contained within individual arc, yeah. That is contained within a campaign. I think it's more like... There we go. And the boys yeah. the boys use these interchangeably too, but I think it's supposed to be like balance campaign there and then go. pedals to the metal as an arc. And yes, so then we have amnesty campaign. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that. Without boundaries, I got very confused. And uh, yeah, no, I... Bless. <laughs> thank you. So... <laughs> You're welcome. In the um, oil monster arc, um, we didn't see a creature. Well... Okay, so admittedly... like Yeah, that's true. It was, yes. it was from the point of view of Aubrey, and Aubrey was very distracted with being on fire and then being saved with um, mom, by Mama. So there could mm-hmm. have been there could have been a creature, but we just didn't have an opportunity to see it. So what I'm hoping yeah, for... Yeah, I was... Yeah. What I'm hoping that the, the boys are going to do is that I hope that they're going to mention, hey, did you notice that it turned into a thing? Do you guys uh-huh. remember the oil monster turning <laughs> into a thing? Like... Uh-huh. It, can we can we talk real quick about things that I hope that we get from future episodes based on yes. this episode? So I, I want to talk about that. Ahead. At well, I do you want to talk about it now or at the end of the episode? Um, I was kind of at the end. I didn't really have a whole lot about Ned. Um, but if you have oh. more, we can we can wait. Oh well, let's just jump into it. Let's just do it right now. Sure. Yeah. So things I hope that we touch base on for next episode is. I hope that in like the characters talk about what they saw the creature turn into after um, the resolution. Um, object permanence. So the creature kind of <laughs> fucked up the water park. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Were they open? I want to hear about yeah H two O getting like in the news like exactly. someone fucking trashed the water park. Yeah, like, I'm sure what? they're gonna. I'm sure they'll do that. I hope so. Even just like a little bit. Like I hope that after the monster went away that they were like oh shit and we have to like put this all back and that i hope they did something like backwards or fucked up or upside down or something (laughs) so that the fbi guy can come along and be like huh you know hell yeah yeah like that that to me seems like a really natural thing that they could do next Um, although stern is looking for bigfoots and not necessarily looking for water monsters capable of yeah scrambling up an entire park that's true i don't know what he would make of that yeah but something that i so i'm watching like you know a lot of um superhero sort of things and it's not that i'm actively looking out for them it's just that that's what's in popular culture so things like my hero academia um damages like the the heroes that cause damage to the city there's there's real life consequences for what happens if you fuck up a city same thing with the incredibles um is is that you know the superheroes can act but they have to act without hurting other people and as much as possible trying to minimize damage to the city um yeah miraculous ladybug they they treat this really well where the the city does get fucked up the 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 villains do a lot of bad shit but part of miraculous ladybug's like superpower after she solves the mystery is that she sets everything right again she makes everything like fi- she fixes everything um and everything goes back to normal so nice I, I right yeah right so for all of these um series that take real life like they 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 don't just get like they don't let the situations be isolated like whatever happens actually happens to the environment Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that i i really really like and i kind of hope that it becomes more popular because it it really does bring a sense of these are characters and they aren't just isolated in what they're doing it's actually impacting the world around them like the first the first monster um 
was in a cave. So, I mean, okay, I guess there's like a burned out cave somewhere. But this one was on like an actual place. Uh, yeah, property, private property. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, that's what I hope to see is object permanence. Like, what's... Yeah, I want to see that too. Um, I also... What's going to happen with Calvin Owens? Yeah. <laughs> so, does Calvin believe in monsters? Or is he just like really happy to be able to swim again? Um, what about Pidge? I have... Oh, go ahead. Well, I have an, a thing about... Okay, you go ahead and say your thing about Pidge, and then I'll say all of the stuff that I want to say. Well, I was just going to ask you if you thought Pidge was going to join the team. I have a feeling that she definitely, definitely is, because how are you going to explain to her, um, you shut the monster off and helped us do the thing, <laughs> but it was all fiction. It's all a dream. Yeah, I am going to complain about something. Oh, go ahead. Now, I have never accused Griffin of railroading before. I thought he, the way he moved events along in the balance arc was perfect and i thought he did a really good job my beef something that he's doing in amnesty that's really annoying me is like we get to the end of the last episode <laughs> and pigeon says i in i want to be part of this like and then we the there's no follow-up on that mm-hmm. in this episode mm-hmm. they go straight into the fight scene and like justin shoehorns her in i don't know if griffin was expecting that i don't really super like i don't know it was just like it seemed like improv on justin's part and like that's fine but we still don't know anything about like what the situation with pidge is like what does barclay think about this is mama gonna be pissed off like what's going on and then at the end at the end of this episode I wanted them to have some decompression time after the fight. I wanted them to talk about, like, what was that figure what we saw in the light? Like, what's going on? I want to hear them. And maybe Griffin is specifically trying to avoid this because he's trying to, like, set up mysteries and build tension. Maybe he doesn't want too much screen time with the boys trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But, like, I wanted to hear them talk about what had happened together. And then Griffin, right after the fight, right after they see the figure, immediately just sends them all home to, like, clean up. Don't you yeah. think they would have, like, no, talked to each other a little bit? That's completely, I completely 100% agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it's, it's kind of, you know, like, it doesn't seem like a thing that would be interesting to have this big fight and then have the characters decompress about it like when when you're thinking about how to, i guess to execute um like a narrative you're thinking um you have to go to this event you have to do this action you have to go to this yeah. action but in in fiction those characters like uh, what what are they thinking about everything that they just experienced you're right like yeah. there was no resolution and and that's why i'm like pigeon I mean, after the, <laughs> I know. After the yeah. end of the last episode, like, I, I was kind of expecting Griffin to do something like this, because if I'm watching a TV show, that's always how cliffhangers resolve themselves, is that they don't uh-huh. they don't immediately give you what the answer is. It just kind of comes up as a surprise of, well, here they are. But they usually yeah. also follow it up with, this is a, like, we're going to revisit that scene, and this is the conversation that happened, and this is what happened after that. Like, they... They set up a lot of things two episodes ago that didn't really get resolved in this episode, and that's a little bothersome. Um, let me remember. Okay, so I just wanted to... I have a couple, like, quick things that I wanted to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved Beacon trying to pawn himself <laughs> off on Aubrey, and yes. Aubrey just, like, telling him to shut up. That was yes. hilarious. Yes. Um, and I like, yeah, she said, like, shut up, Beacon. So I, I guess... I mean, I know they know about Beacon, and I guess they must have, like, interacted with him enough that she feels comfortable addressing him. 
you know? I think yeah. that's hilarious. Um, yeah, okay, so they know about Beacon, but they don't know about Minerva? Yeah, I guess Duck didn't tell them about her. And I also understand if he feels less comfortable admitting that he has, like, an invisible person he talks to. Because there's no... They can see and hear Beacon. But they... they they If they heard about Minerva, they might just think Duck is, like, not all there, you know? Yeah. Like, because they can't independently confirm Minerva's existence. So I can understand if Duck feels a little more um, reserved about Minerva. Yeah. And I also really liked, like, right after that, Duck woke up from getting knocked out and just said, like, I got class tomorrow. Like, he was just waking up from the flashback. I thought that was a really nice touch. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. And I also loved uh, Clint's line about, like, there comes a time in every coward's life, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Yes. Um, And it speaks to, I really like how, um, even though, I think I've mentioned this before, but even though the balance characters and the amnesty characters are pretty different in a lot of ways, there is still, like, a general dynamic being preserved where I think Travis is playing the more outgoing lawful kind of character who like you know the character who rushes in the character who like wants to be in the action and do stuff whereas yeah. clint and justin are playing more reserved characters and i think that's really interesting characters yeah uh-huh <laughs> um i thought griffin's like new yorker accent for mr tarkeesian was so cute right? or like I don't know, New Jersey, like, I don't, New Jersey, maybe? I don't have a, I'm not super good at East Coast accents, uh, so I don't know, but, which kind of accent that was supposed to be, but it was very fun. And I'm now super suspicious of Mr. Tarkeesian, because, like, why would a random general store owner know anything about good form with a sword? I thought, like, I couldn't tell if Griffin, if that was just, like, random banter, or if Griffin was trying to, like, set up a clue for something. Oh, I think it's definitely a clue. If he gave them a character voice, I think he's Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Alright, I think we're getting we're getting somewhere interesting with this yeah. guy. But you know, Mr. Tarkeesian, um, that started off as a Justin goof. Yep, I know, yeah. And, or not even like a goof, just like world building. Yeah. Like yeah. That's one of the things I do really appreciate about Monster of the Week is because I think it is working out like it is set up to give the boys more control over the world. And even yes. if Griffin still has, like, very tight control over the narrative, the setting and, like, the the, the city of Kepler, the boys have done a lot of adding on to it. Like, the whole yes. water park the thing. The whole water park thing. Yes. <laughs> that, like, was not Griffin's invention at all, you know? And, like, that kind of really collaborative world building, I really enjoy. I think that's really fun. And, again, I think yeah. I said this last time, but that works out really well like in my own experience playing tabletop games too yeah so it's just good all around good feelings so um i think that's everything that i wanted to talk about chelsea you got anything else uh that's it for me i'm like super hungry uh oh yes okay let's get you to <laughs> breakfast um Which, all right uh, I where think, can uh, people find us Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email at taztalkpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach us on Tumblr at taztalk.tumblr.com. Um, if you have any, like, theories you want to share with us or, like, if you want to just say, hey, um, we are available on Twitter also. Uh, we are at taztalkpodcast. Nice. 
Okay, uh, Lunar Interlude coming up, and then a new monster, I guess, after that. Find out what the heck happened to Mama and where she was, which I'm excited about. Yeah, well, um, I did, okay, so the next episode is next week, the 14th, right? Next week? Or, or is it next week or is it tomorrow? When's the new episode? It's next oh, week. Oh, I guess it would be next week, yeah. Yeah. Yes, you are say, correct. No, I mentioned it because at the end of this month, I'm going to be at the San Diego Comic Con, the book the Q&A, the book show. Um, so if anyone's oh. going to that, I, I should be dressed as a uh, duck. But I mean, between now and then, who knows? So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank bye. Thank you. Have a good bye. <laughs>